is the Come Read With Me Podcast. Welcome to Come Read With Me, the Book of Mormon, episode number 16. Welcome back to Come Read With Me, The Book of Mormon. Today, we're going to continue reading The Book of Mormon in 1 Nephi chapter 18. Some great stuff coming your way. But first, we want to remind everybody, if you ever want to get a hold of the show and leave any comments, we love to hear them. We've gotten a few emails from folks, and we love to hear what you're thinking. And we reply back. And we do. We do. (laughs) Not always right away. Please be forgiving. But please do reach out. Our email address, comereadwithmethebookofmormon.com at gmail.com. It is an epic email address, and we're quite proud of it. So please do reach out if you have any questions. Also, bring out a Book of Mormon when you're listening to this, if you at all can. Have a pencil with you, mark the scriptures, have it in front of you as you're going through it. That personal connection that you'll have with the scriptures in front of you is going to mean a lot more than anything that we can do here on this podcast. So do that. If you need help getting a hold of a Book of Mormon, go ahead and email us that too. We'll help you get one. Okay, then today, Dave is going to give us the recap of where we're at, and then I'll go ahead and read the chapter. Dave. Sounds great. Um, we've been reading a lot about Lehi and his family, with Nephi being one of his sons, having left Jerusalem, been in the wilderness for many, many years, and finally, finally, they arrive in the land of Bountiful. In our previous episode, episode number 15, we read that they did arrive in Bountiful and named it such because it was full of everything that you could want. It was wonderful. The Lord then commanded Nephi to go and build a boat. As the primary song goes, Nephi's older brothers believed it would not float. So Laman and Lemuel were pretty critical of Nephi, saying that he couldn't do it. They kind of made fun of him. And and Nephi recounted a lot of the history of the Israelites, the children of Israel. He recounted a lot of the blessings, a lot of the circumstances that had happened to them. And he, he just kept preaching to him, hey, you know this, and this is what happened. You know this, you know this, you know this. So that was Nephi that just kind of exhorted them of like, hey, if the Lord commands me to build a boat and you guys aren't going to help me do it, I'm going to go and do it. I'll be able to do so. And uh, that's kind of where we're picking up right now in chapter 18. All right, then we'll dive right in. Chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass that they did worship the Lord and did go forth with me. And we did work timbers of curious workmanship. And the Lord did show me from time to time after what manner I should work the timbers of the ship. Now I, Nephi, did not work the timbers after the manner which was learned by men. Neither did I build the ship after the manner of men. But I did build it after the manner which the Lord had shown unto me. Wherefore, it was not after the manner of men. And I, Nephi, did go into the mount oft, and I did pray oft unto the Lord. Wherefore the Lord showed unto me great things. And it came to pass that after I had finished the ship, according to the word of the Lord, my brethren beheld that it was good, and that the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine. Wherefore they did humble themselves again before the Lord. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came unto my father that we should arise and go down into the ship. And it came to pass that on the morrow, after we had prepared all things, much fruits, and meat from the wilderness, and honey in abundance, and provisions according to that which the Lord had commanded us, we did go down into the ship with all our loading, and our seeds, and whatsoever things we had brought with us, every one according to his age. Wherefore, we did all go down into the ship with our wives and our children. 
just a couple of small things I want to point out here that I thought were really interesting. One is Nephi gets commanded to build a ship. At first, his brothers don't want to help him out, but then he is shown, and, and Nephi emphasizes this several times. This was not built after the manner of men. I think it says it three times. Yeah. I think that if I had been through what Nephi had been through, I'd want to make sure everyone knew that too, that this was not that he knew how to build a ship and did it amazingly well, that this was the Lord showing him step by step by step and him pointing out that he went to the Lord often in prayer to be shown these things. A great lesson for all of us to say that when we need answers to prayers, we might not get that answer, and that's that's it. That's all we need. We just move on with our lives. Sometimes we need one step at a time, and to not be afraid to go back to the Lord to ask for the next step, and then ask for the next step. We don't tire the Lord out. He's yeah. not He's not impatient with us, and what the Lord's willing to do is hold our hand and help us get from one step to the other. Now, if we start asking the same question over and over again, you might say, well, you're not listening to me anyway. But if we ask for one step and show in faith that we're willing to follow that and then show in faith that we're willing to follow the next step, then I think that this is a good example of how that can work out for us. Um, one other thing that I loved is that Nephi builds this ship. Nephi gets his brothers to help him work on it. It doesn't say a word about Lehi building this ship. And yet in verse five, the Lord came unto my father that we should arise and go down into the ship. And what I love about that is that Nephi has had his calling Nephi has executed his calling extremely well, but this is not Nephi all of a sudden becoming the patriarch of the family. Yeah. This is still the Lord coming to Lehi and saying, Lehi, you are the leader of this. You are now being commanded to take the next step. And I love that it's still, you know, the the mantle of leadership is still on Lehi. You know, I want to go back to one thing that you had said. Nephi multiple times says, we built a ship not after the manner of men. And I wonder, there, there could kind of be two purposes. One is like, disclaimer, if this thing doesn't turn out, it's not because, <laughs> like, it's not after the manner of men. It wasn't my fault, you know, type deal. Yeah. I doubt that was the case here. The second option that it could be is, hey, this doesn't really, may not make sense to the way of men, the manner of men, but it's the according to the manner of the Lord, and it's going to work out. We're going to do this in faith. We're going to act on that. We're going to build and construct not fully knowing the end from the beginning, but we're going to do it. And that's kind of where I think this is, that Nephi was like, hey, this this isn't after the manner of men, but it's after the manner of the Lord, which is much better. So we're just going to follow his his process, his instruction, his direction. Absolutely. Yeah, can you imagine the faith it might take to to be about to head out on an ocean voyage <laughs> on a ship you just made? Yep. <laughs> oh, my Prototype. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be That would be something else. Yep. Okay, then let's jump right back in at verse 7. And now my father had begat two sons in the wilderness. The elder was called Jacob, and the younger, Joseph. And it came to pass, after we had all gone down into the ship, and had taken with us our provisions and things which had been commanded us, we did put forth into the sea, and were driven forth before the wind toward the promised land. And after we had been driven forth before the wind for the space of many days, behold, my brethren and the sons of Ishmael, and also their wives, began to make themselves merry, insomuch that they began to dance and to sing and to speak with much rudeness, yea, even that they did forget by what power they had been brought thither. Yea, they were lifted up unto exceeding rudeness. And I, Nephi, began to fear exceedingly, lest the Lord should be angry with us and smite us because of our iniquity, that we should be swallowed up in the depths of the sea. Wherefore, I, Nephi, began to speak to them with much soberness. But behold, 
they were angry with me, saying, We will not that our younger brother shall be a ruler over us. And it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel did take me and bind me with cords, and they did treat me with much harshness. Nevertheless, the Lord did suffer it, that he might show forth his power unto the fulfilling of his word, which he had spoken concerning the wicked. All right, a couple of uh, monumental things here. Yes. First and foremost, their family has grown. They've got uh, two more siblings, Jacob and Joseph. That's exciting news. Yes. And then just those few verses that you just read about Laman and Lemuel and their spouses just kind of forgetting again, thinking more about themselves than the group. How many times has this happened happened thus far in our reading of the Book of Mormon? How many times have Laman and Lemuel kind of done their own thing, been reminded and reprimanded, and then humbled, and then they kind of return to their old ways? Now, again, that's a two-sided coin. One is they continue to fall into their murmuring. They continue to rebel. They continue to do things that are not godly. Yes. But then on the other side side of that coin they continue to be humbled. They continue to remember and repent and, and start over again. So, you know, that's that's just interesting, that uh, paradigm there is, which side of that coin are you on? Which side of that coin are we on? Are we ones that continually return to the complaining about things? Or are we ones that continually return to the humility and the, the repenting of things? Yeah, and I can imagine it might be difficult to have Nephi as a brother. Um, <laughs> yep. To have a brother who's just always a little bit more righteous than you. He's always the one. And and to have him be right as often as, as he's right. You know, it's like you're you're acting rudely and you're like, whatever, Nephi. And then like a minute later, you're like, all right, Nephi was right. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I can imagine that would be hard. And in this case, that might be one of those moments. Here they are. They've also gotten on the ship. And that's one thing that I think gets forgotten about Laman and Lemuel, not just Laman and Lemuel, but also their wives and presumably their children and their whole family and everything that's going to be the future of their family and themselves for all generations of time from here on out. They are getting on the ship. Yeah. That is a tremendous act of courage and faith. Yes. So we cannot shortchange Laman and Lemuel for having taken that step because here they are, everything that they are and and, and could be here's, is going onto this ship. Okay, so there's that. And then they're on this ship and they're like, we don't really know what's gonna happen out here, but hey, let's let's have a little dance. Let's <laughs> sing, let's dance. And you know what? It crosses some line into rudeness. And then here comes Nephi, right? And Nephi's like, guys, just, I'm worried that the Lord is watching us with a little bit finer, you know, attention to detail now. Like we're, we're in the midst of this. This is scary. Like, can we just try a little harder, please? And I can understand from the human element of it being like, Nephi, we're on the ship. All right. (laughs) Like, what do you want from us? Like, here we are. We've already shown you we have the faith to do this. And now you're just coming after us because we want to sing and dance and whatever. So I can imagine it's hard to be Nephi's brother. But then of course, here's the real problem is that when Nephi comes and says, guys, can we try a little harder, please? They take it to another level. Yeah, they don't turn to the Lord. Exactly. They turn They turn to themselves and and yeah, now they've tied them up. Yeah, now now they're tying them up and, it's, and they've, they've taken it to another place. We're not gonna be commanded by our brother, even though here we've had the voice of the Lord in the last chapter speak to him. We've had angels of the Lord come to them before and everything else that already has manifested unto them, the plain truth that Nephi is their leader. And they need to accept that. But now here they are again, just 
taking it to another level where, and I think this is noteworthy for all of us. This is something where if any of us need to be corrected, we should be quick to be humble because in a moment of anger or frustration or whatever else, it's very easy to take it to another level. It's very easy to react in a way that actually escalates uh, when it might be much more important to just take a deep breath, recognize our our own shortcomings and move forward. Yeah, yeah. All right, jumping back in at verse 12. And it came to pass that after they had bound me insomuch that I could not move, the compass which had been prepared of the Lord did cease to work. Wherefore, they knew not whither they should steer the ship, insomuch that there arose a great storm, yea, a great and terrible tempest. And we were driven back upon the waters for the space of three days. And they began to be frightened exceedingly, lest they should be drowned in the sea. Nevertheless, they did not loose me. And on the fourth day, which we had been driven back, the tempest began to be exceedingly sore. And it came to pass that we were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea. And after we had been driven back upon the waters for the space of four days, my brethren began to see that the judgments of God were upon them, and that they must perish, save that they should repent of their iniquities. Wherefore, they came unto me and loosed the bands which were upon my wrists. And behold, they had swollen exceedingly, and also mine ankles were much swollen, and great was the soreness thereof. Nevertheless, I did look unto my God, and I did praise him all the day long, and I did not murmur against the Lord because of mine afflictions. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Four days tied up, swollen. I mean, can you imagine how stiff you would be uh, okay, just the physical anguish of being tied up for four days. That is terrible. And the yeah. first thing he does, or at least it's recorded here, is that he looked unto his God and did praise him all the day long. And I did not murmur against the Lord because of my afflictions. Yeah. Yeah, that could be annoying <laughs> if yeah. you were layman and love you. <laughs> but again, I don't want to take away from Nephi. That is awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome that he could look past that uh, that's just amazing. But again, to to contrast that, Laman and Lemuel were so darn stubborn and prideful. Like yeah. there's this terrible storm for three days and they're like, uh, nah, we're not untying them. Yeah. Like they just kept pushing their luck, probably not because they felt that they could be in control, but because they couldn't let go of, he was right, we were wrong. Yeah. That's just, that the pride can get to them and can it not get to us? What are our storms that we're in right now where we've tied someone up for three days and we're not willing to say we're sorry. We're not willing to go back and say, yeah, I think I may have been in the wrong there, or I could do better, or I could have handled that differently. Like we let pride get in the, our way even today, just oh, like it was back then. Absolutely. This is one of those chapters where I, unfortunately in myself, see a reflection of of Laman and Lemuel and understand a little bit of where they might be coming from. Because in moments where I've acted maybe irrationally or where I've acted in ways that aren't appropriate or where I've sinned and I haven't yet found a way to repent of it yet, I've been in those moments where it starts to rain and I'm like, ah, it's just a little rain, you know? And then it keeps raining and it's like, all right, it's kind of a bad rain, whatever. And then three days later, it's still raining. And then on the fourth day, I'm like, fine, Heavenly Father, please. (laughs) (laughs) I get it now. Like I've been like, we often need for Mm -hmm. things like, like whatever it is that we might need a a reminder of when we've lost that spirit that's guiding us, when we've lost that because our own sins have taken us to bad places, then the Lord reminds us of what it's like to live without his blessing. 
The Lord reminds us of what it's like to live without his spirit. And then we find out days later or weeks later or years later, okay, you were right, Heavenly Father. I'm sorry. And then it comes back, you know, and, and as we go back to him, he comes back to us. I bet he's there the whole time and just waiting for us to like swallow our pride and, and get down on our knees and ask him, you know. Ah, you're right. Absolutely. I don't know. All right. Jumping back in at verse 17. Now, my father Lehi had said many things unto them and also unto the sons of Ishmael. But behold, they did breathe out much threatenings against anyone that should speak for me. And my parents being stricken in years and having suffered much grief because of their children, they were brought down, yea, even upon their sickbeds. Because of their grief and much sorrow and the iniquity of my brethren, they were brought near even to be carried out of this time to meet their God. Yea, their gray hairs were about to be brought down to lie low in the dust. Yea, even they were near to be cast with sorrow into a watery grave. And Jacob and Joseph also, being young, having need of much nourishment, were grieved because of the afflictions of their mother. And also my wife with her tears and prayers and also my children did not soften the hearts of my brethren that they would loose me. And now there was nothing save it were the power of God, which threatened them with destruction, could soften their hearts. Wherefore, when they saw that they were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea, they repented of the things which they had done, insomuch that they loosed me. And it came to pass, after they had loosed me, behold, I took the compass, and it did work whither I desired it. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, and after I had prayed, the winds did cease. And the storm did cease, and there was a great calm. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did guide the ship, that we sailed again towards the promised land. And it came to pass that after we had sailed for the space of many days, we did arrive at the promised land. And we went forth upon the land and did pitch our tents, and we did call it the promised land. And it came to pass that we did begin to till the earth, and we began to plant seeds. Yea, we did put all our seeds into the earth which we had brought from the land of Jerusalem. And it came to pass that they did grow exceedingly, wherefore we were blessed in abundance. And it came to pass that we did find upon the land of promise as we journeyed in the wilderness, that there were beasts in the forests of every kind, both the cow and the ox and the ass and the horse and the goat and the wild goat and all manner of wild animals, which were for the use of men. And we did find all manner of ore, both of gold and of silver and of copper. All right. That's the end of the chapter. One thing that I think is kind of interesting here is he's he's saying, and we did find all manner of ore, both gold, silver, and copper. Here he is writing the Book of Mormon on golden plates. And as we learn throughout this whole thing is that everything he's been writing so far hasn't has been looking back and reflecting upon the journey. When he started writing this account, they were already there in the promised land. And then he had been commanded to kind of go and find the gold and to make these plates and to actually begin, you know, crafting the plates by which he would write the Book of Mormon or the beginnings of the Book of Mormon. So anyway, I just think that's interesting that he points out specifically like, okay, we did all this journeying, we got here, and then I found a bunch of gold. And uh, I think that's a cool, cool transition. Yeah, gold, silver, copper. It, you know, it's interesting how, I mean, this is a, this is a pretty big chapter that a lot transpires here. They've left point A, crossed a body of water, and are now in point B. So they've left Jerusalem, wandered in the wilderness, arrived in the land of Bountiful, stayed there for a while until they made a ship, left Bountiful, sailed across the seas 
and, and now have arrived in the promised land. Now, the land of Bountiful, they called it land of, the land of Bountiful because it was bounteous in many, many things. And now they're here in the promised land. And I think it was interesting that Nephi says in the end of this chapter, all of the different things that were there, that everything yeah. was in abundance. And so yeah. truly that is the promised land. Now, I mean, certainly we can think about that in a very literal sense. This was the land that you were promised and it is bountiful and beautiful and it has a whole bunch of things in there that make life comfortable and easy. But think about it in a spiritual sense as well. As we continue to read in the Book of Mormon, there's more to the promised land than the physical things that are in that land. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, any any takeaways that you have from this chapter? <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's one in particular. And for me, the, the key takeaway from this chapter comes from verse 20. And there was nothing, save it were the power of God, which threatened them with destruction, could soften their hearts. Wherefore, when they saw that they were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea, they repented of the things which they had done, insomuch that they loosed me. Um, that, that verse hit me really hard as I was studying this chapter. Um, as I think about times in my own life where the Lord has worked really hard to help me repent, and the Lord has helped to humble me in ways that feel similar to this, maybe not threatened with my you know destruction in a watery grave and everything else, but in ways that for me in those points in time felt as real and where my future success or future safety or future family or whatever might, might have been in jeopardy had I continued down some of the paths that I was on. And so I'm very grateful for the fact that I was brought low at certain times in my life to feel as though I had almost ruined everything. I'd almost been brought to my own destruction and that it took being humble to return to the Lord and to seek that guidance from him again and to and to be guided by him again. And as I went to him, he was there for me. Um, this it, it strikes me hard uh, as I read this because I, I know that it's true. I know that it's true that in those times where we feel like we've reached our end, that God is still there and we can turn around and find him. So that's my key takeaway. Dave, how about for you? You know, I like how you pointed that out in verse 20, that it was nothing save it were the power of God, which threatened them with the destruction that could soften their hearts. The preceding verse to that 19 is what touched me, where you had, you know, Jacob and Joseph, young here, were being grieved because of the afflictions of their mom. And then is it, you know, Nephi saying, my wife and her tears and prayers and also my children could not soften the hearts of my brethren. Yeah. You know, sometimes it does take the power of God and the fear of our own demise to whip us into shape. But oftentimes, it doesn't have to get to that point. If we can look at those around us that truly love us and care for us, it can be the the tears of a tender wife or the love of a caring mother or the words of an innocent child that can have just as much power over us to, to cause us to change or to be humbled or to improve or do better, to strive to be our best selves. It doesn't have to come to the, oh my gosh, I'm going to die unless I turn myself to the Lord. It can just be those little promptings and those little nudges throughout life of those that care about us. And, and, and both will work. I think in life, we will experience both functioning in our lives. Oh man, that, that is so true, what you just spoke there. And you know how many mothers have grieved over a wayward child and have begged the Lord for, you know, their child to find their way out. And and, and, and it'll work. And th- that child will come back or it won't work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe that... It's never in vain. Yeah. No, it never is. It never is. But uh, but man, the, the just humanity and all of this is just 
poignant. All right, then we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here, this podcast is not produced by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it, and it is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon. Please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as you continue reading the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening.